on the banks of the Grand River, high above the Allura Gorge. This is the Buzzer Podcast. Indie music, new releases, industry insiders, out-of-the-box conversations with guests from the true north, from the west coast to the east coast, to across the pond, and from down under. And now, here is Shay. Hey, y'all. I am Shay. This is the Buzzer Podcast, Independent Music Releases Global Coverage. Welcome and enjoy. The Buzzer Podcast will wind down Season 1 of both shows. The top shows of Season 1 will start airing September 6th. The shows airing have the top fan engagement, subscribes, and downloads. The show today is All the Time Everywhere. All the Time Everywhere is from Banff, Canada. They are back live. Check out their socials to see local dates and venues. The original broadcast aired April 20th of this year. Hey, it's Shay here and welcome. Uh, we have Canadian alternative skate punk band All the Time Everywhere. Other uh, known as At, and we have Aaron Lavager here today to represent the band. Hi, Aaron. Thank you for joining our show today. Hey, Shay. Thanks for having me. Wow, that's great. Been following you guys for a while. Oh, uh, I saw your hockey video update on Facebook, but uh, it was just a short update. It was actually kind of funny and so Canadian. <laughs> so Canadian. Uh, yeah, I, I actually toot the horn and wave to the kids that have those uh, backyard rinks. Like, uh, got to keep the hockey up in Canada, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I like letting a few go every now and then, you know, just. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. Actually, I can't skate like a girl. I learned on hockey skates. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I was one of those chicks that played with the boys and rode hockey. There you go. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, and I love hockey. I love hockey. I haven't I haven't watched it a lot since, uh, a lot, uh, I would say, for the past five years. That's gotten a bit boring, but I was a real big fan, you know, back in the days of the Lesposito, Bobby Orr, and... Um, yeah, oh, I'm dating myself, aren't I? Okay. <laughs> you certainly are. Okay. Okay. Well, I saw Paul Henderson's score in oh, 1972. There you go. Yeah, yeah. But Bobby R was uh, my my guy. Uh, so what what's the band been up to uh, this year? This year, wow. Uh, it's been a uh, in 2021, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we've been uh, just in the jam space, uh, writing, um, but we, we got a drummer that we're teaching some new material to and old material. So we've been doing that, um, working on a live set for whenever we can play again and just, just keep it busy really. Like today I actually went into Calgary, which is about an hour and a half away. And we went to the music store and we, um, just live set work basically we've been working on uh our inner monitor system um just so it's easier to hear ourselves live and you know we're the live set is basically where we're at right now and we've written a few new songs but uh yeah. haven't really demoed any of it yet just you know we got a lot of work to do so well sounds like you're busy um but we're here to talk about uh your EP that you released November 16th in 2020, The Long Kong, uh, with six tracks, and we're going to feature uh, Digital Man, Wake, and Untitled, which you now call? Uh, it's called Unapologetically Correct. Yeah, cool. We had, cool. We had one of our uh, fans name it. Um, we had a, like a name that song contest kind of thing, something to do. And uh, yeah, he uh, his name's Lee Jaffe. And uh, yeah, he named that song, which is kind of uncomfortable for me because I don't, I'm, I'm one of those artist people and I'm kind of weird about it, but our manager, Paul kind of was just like, Hey, you got to name the song, man. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> I can't name it. <laughs> and then we're like, well, let's get somebody else to name it then. And that's how it kind of came about. Well, how can you not name a song you created? I don't know. I just, I had a weird block on it. Like I uh -huh. tried to name it a couple times and I was just like, 
you know, there's an obvious name for it. Once you hear the song, you'll be like, oh, well, I would have named it this. But like, I just, sometimes I just don't like doing that. And then I just was just kind of like, I don't know where to leave this. So I'm just like, you know what? I'm not going to bother with it. And yeah, that's where we ended up with that. Uh, actually, I kind of get that because uh, I uh, I write for New York City firm for musical content, and I have to title the articles I write sometimes, and I always have a, a, a trouble with it <laughs> because of it. Uh, yeah, so sometimes uh, you do get a block. You do got. And you're talking about Paul Hudson of Next Level Entertainment, right? Yeah, I am. Yeah. Yeah, he's good. He's good. He deals. Uh, he helps out the couple bands that I follow. Um, quite a professional. I like him. Yeah, me too. I really like Paul. I like, you know, we have our every couple of weeks we have our hour long. Paul and Kristen, we have an hour long kind of chat about whatever. And sometimes it's a little more than that if we're dealing with something. But yeah, we've had some had some good long conversations. Yeah, I've had all I've heard was good about the guy. Yeah, so you are now in Banff, Alberta. I am, and you relocated there out of Kingston, Napanee, uh, to start working full time as an artist. So is that right? Yeah. Well, I ha- I kind of had a few reasons to move. You know, you know when you grow up in your own hometown, and you know, I I felt like I, I felt like I was, kind of outgrow well I needed to grow basically and I felt like I couldn't do it there and I wanted to I wanted to leave my hometown and my dad had been bugging me saying you know you should really get out of your hometown for a while at least just to see what you're made of kind of thing and and uh, he was kind of he said this a long time ago and it never really resonated and I was kind of just like well I need to get out of here and you know see what the world has to offer and see if I can make it somewhere where I didn't grow up. Because when you grow up somewhere, you're really kind of coddled and I didn't really have to try too hard to do anything. And it was, yeah, I just felt like I just needed to get out of there basically. And, and the music scene in Kingston is there's a lot of people that play music in Kingston. Yeah. There's not a lot of bands that tour from Kingston and oh, really? like they don't, they they play in Kingston and they don't leave, basically. And a lot of the musicians I was hanging out with around there, they 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 wouldn't. The the I think the thought of tour was scary to a lot of people. And I was just I was in a another band called A Dying Race, um, from like two thousand three to like two thousand seven, and that's all we did was tour. And you know, I, that's how I grew up was like, the further you get away from your home, the more you see, you know, if your music has an impact on people or whether it doesn't. Oh, hundred percent. And you know, you, you, all your friends are always going to go right up your ass and say, Oh, you're the best and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, just stroke your ego. And it's like, it's easy to get lost in that. And then you're, you know, a hometown hero. And then you go out of town and then you find out what the world's really like. And, it's not it's not as nice as you think it is you know like so and touring is is the reason i play <laughs> you know like i want to go places i want to see meet different people and and do that kind of thing so so you, you like the live scene yeah like that's the whole point right like i mean don't get me wrong writing music is something i do and i love but it only goes so far you know, there's only so much excitement you can get out of that and playing your music for other people and that, that live show energy, like you can't beat that, you know, when a big mosh pit opens up in front of you, like that's a, one of the best feelings in the entire world, you know, and the lights are on and it's hot and it's, it's uh it's a rush and you just can't, you can't duplicate it any other way. So I I definitely see that. So have you had the opportunity to do a live tour for the long con? No, we haven't because the pandemic, like we were going to release it in the springtime last year when the pandemic hit. Mm. And then it was just like delay, delay, delay to the point where like, I was just like, we got to get this out. Like I got to get it out of my mind kind of thing. And Finally, we were just like, let's just put it out <laughs> kind of thing. 
So we finally did that. And then I was hoping we would be back to playing now, but you know, the government's taking their sweet time doing everything. And I don't honestly think they know what they're doing. So we'll see what happens here. It's kind of an unfolding situation, but hopefully we'll be able to tour this record in the fall and see what it, see what it can do. Right. Like, cause yeah. you know, you can only go so far trying to promote on the internet anymore either. So it's like, you got to get out and play live. Like you can't, can't rely on the internet to be your income. Oh, hundred percent. But uh, do you feel that when things open up that it'll be easy to draw clouds to a live performance? I think it may. Oh, well, I would hope so. <laughs> you know, yeah. people have been sitting in their houses unless they're like, Less people, like you know, maybe they're scared to leave after that, or they don't know how to how to leave. <laughs> like if it goes on for too long, right? Like or they won't have the money to go. Or that, or that too, yeah. Yeah, but I'm hoping it opens up before festival for the summer. That would be ideal. Well, it would be, yeah, but I, I don't know. I don't want to say I don't want to say it will or won't. It's just uh, <laughs> I'm hoping. Well, it does. I do. I do agree with you. It's a, convolu a convoluted uh, reaction to all of uh, uh, the happenings uh, with the COVID and the pandemic. Um, but I stay away from politics. But I would just say, regardless of the politics, I would say most uh, leaders um, haven't have sort of dropped the ball. <laughs> and I, I, I'm not very happy with it. And uh, I, it is actually worrisome what what will be uh, the, the uh, aftermath Well, you know, once all the CERB and, or uh, all the um, subsidies, I guess, for lack of a better word, uh, run out. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, but, you know, um, I think with music, uh, it's a dark period, but I, I, I hope, I pray that uh, uh, we'll, we'll find, uh, the industry will find a voice and, We'll move back on, you know. Yeah. I know a lot of great music will be written out of this. Well, yeah, that's the thing too, and it's kind of forced forced my hand and going like, okay, and it's kind of a good for us in particular. Maybe not all musicians, like established musicians, are probably absolutely just hating it right now. And I got mm. I got friends that build stages and do live show stuff, and they're you know not doing anything right now, which I like I feel bad for them but as as far yeah. as all the time everywhere personally for us it's been good because it's forced us to you know work on our live set you know really focus on you know how do we want to come out of this because I want to come out of the gate just flying like I want to be in shape mm -hmm. and I want to yeah and it's it's good in that way where it's you know forced our hand to work on the little things and there's no pressure to hurry up and get out on the road. It's like, all right, well, let's just hammer this out. And it's a little tough to keep focused at times because you're just kind of getting frustrated that you can't go out. But at the same time, it's like, well, just forget about that and just work on it and, and get it done. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Did you start music early in your life? Like, was it around you growing up? Like, what started this path? Um, well, when I was a kid, I was, you know, one of those kids, you know, uh, I watched hockey a lot when I was a baby. I was really into that. Um, you could turn the music on and set me in front of the stereo and I wouldn't move. I'd just sit there. I was just really... Always as a kid, yeah, there was always music around me. Like, nobody in my family was musical, really. Like, my parents didn't play music. I remember there was a guitar in my dad's closet that he had from somewhere. And that was the first time I'd seen an electric guitar, held an electric guitar. Wow. They got me a ukulele and a hat and a whistle for my birthday one day. <laughs> I bought one of those for my son uh, yeah. for Christmas. Yeah, yeah they got yeah. it for my birthday. And there was a Queen's music professor over at my parents' house. And I guess mm -hmm. I was just ripping on this ukulele and hat and whistle and doing all these spins with the ukulele. And the music professor, I guess, turned to my mom and said, he's going to be a musician when he gets older. 
And that was kind of the last I'd heard of it. And then when I was a teenager, I played hockey. I played uh, rep hockey. And that kind of ended abruptly. And I was kind of beat down about it. And I'm like, well, I got to find something else to do with my time. So I started, you know, hacking on a guitar with my best friend Jim in his room. And I wrote, the first thing I did when I learned how to play guitar was wrote a song. Because I was like, well, I don't want to learn another song. I'll just write my own song. And then, so like I kind of taught myself for like three or four years how to write music. And then when I was in high school, I was lucky enough to, uh, Craig Runyon's was a music professor at Queens, but he was uh, percussion. Mm-hmm. And he, like he, he was a composer too. Like he wrote stuff for our percussion class to play. And he was the one who kind of taught me how to write a mood and, and, and write music in a way. I don't think he did it on purpose, but he, he definitely showed me how to, you know, how to construct a mood because if you can't do that, you know, you're kind of, kind of just writing the same song over and over again, you know? So a lot of music theory and things came to me in weird ways and yeah, that's pretty much how I got into it. And then ever since then, it's just been refinement of, of songwriting. And that's like, I'm not a good guitar player, you know, I can't rip a solo for you. Well, I can, but it's not great. I'm not a great player. I'm a good player, but my strength is the, the writing of the music. And that's basically where it stops for me. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. You referred to something that your professors taught you how to write a mood. Yeah. Can you explain that for listeners that don't know musical theory? Um, sort of. <laughs> I'll see if I can explain it. Um, there's, there's keys to songs. Like, you, you know, you hear people say, in the key of C, right? Yeah. But... If you're going to write, let's say, a happy song, right, and you just say, okay, I'm going to write it in the key of C, well, you're going to be writing in the key of C major, right? Because the major key is more happy, uplifting most of the time, right? Mm -hmm. And then if you're going to write a, you know, maybe a darker song or you want a, a darker, more I kind of put it in a way like a Disney movie, you know, you got the good guy song, it would be in C major. And then, you know, the bad guy's song would be in C minor. You know what I mean? Okay. Okay. Yeah. But it depends on what you're going for because in songs you can change the mood within the song as well. So, you know, the, the verses could be super happy, but then you could transition into a darker, a darker chorus, let's say, or vice versa. And, you know, C major is also um, A minor, right? So Mm -hmm. you can go into an A minor progression out of a C major progression, and you could change the mood inside the song as well. And then, you know, the, it's infinite of what you can do. It's just, if you have a vision, then you can, and you know, the music theory behind it and what you can and can't play then then it becomes easier to get where you want to be, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it's incredibly interesting. Yeah, so... I, I like, yeah, I can see how music uh, energy was created through uh, music, the way you describe it. Yeah, and you can you could go even darker than... Like, there's all kinds of keys you can play. Like, I say C major and C minor, but there's... Within even that, there's you know, levels of darkness that you can achieve or light. It doesn't matter. You can choose either or I like to, I like to experiment with both because, you know, if it's always, you know, sad and morose sounding, you know, you could lose people, you keep it fresh, you do a bunch of different things and it'll still sound like the same band, but you can write different moods and songs. And that's, that's what I like doing is I'll, I'll write to whatever I'm feeling. Yeah, that's incredibly interesting. Thanks for providing that explanation. Yeah, no worries. Uh, so give me the background of the band. How did you guys form? Okay, that's another one. Just take a breath here. Um, yeah, I know. That's why I asked the question. <laughs> so 
uh, I had, I've been in numerous bands over my life. Um, and I started all the time everywhere, kind of as an art project. Um, and I just wanted to write and record the music because in my mind, there was no one really to tour it. No one really wanted to play it at the time. So I was just like, okay, well, this is the music I like. I'm going to write and record this and pay for it and blah, blah, blah. So me and my best friend, Nate, kind of teamed up and we're like, all right, we're going to hit the studio. And uh, my best friend, Jim, kind of put me in touch with the producer uh, named Anton DeLoss. He's in Toronto. And he put me in touch with him and we were going to go record in London. And then Anton's like, well, hey, I'm going to move to Toronto. Do you want to wait? and do it later and I'm like yeah sure so we got a new studio in Toronto and uh so we went in there and kind of just did it it was like an art project and so we recorded it and I didn't put it out for a while and then I released it and then my brother was like hey why don't we tour this I was like okay like, how are we going to do that? And at the time, I was used to band members, right? You know, you got a drummer, you got a bass player, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, why don't, we, yeah. why don't we hire the drummer that you used in the studio and take him on tour? And I'm like, that's a great idea. Let's do that. And then we hired the bass player as well. And then uh, we did, um, like, we ended, originally we were supposed to do 21 shows in 18 days in Quebec, wow. in the province of Quebec. And it was booked. That's busy. Yeah. And it was booked by, um, an, a guy I knew for years. Um, and he had been out of the game for a long time and he was like, I'll do it. I'll book it. Let's go. So he booked it. We didn't end up playing all the shows just because we had some weather delays and all that stuff. But I think we ended up doing like 19 shows in 16 days or something like that. And we, a lot of the time we were playing two shows a day. Uh, we'd play the high school in the town and then we would play the bar in that town that night. So it was really rigorous and a lot of driving and, you know, moving all the gear twice in the same day is tough enough. And then singing and playing. And so it was pretty rigorous. Um, and then we got back from that tour and obviously we were burnt out. Um, and then, you know, I think maybe a few months went by and I was kind of just like, okay. And then that's when I decided I wanted to move. Um, and then when I got out here, um, good friend, Chris Cushman plays bass. He was already living in Banff. He said, come on out here. Let's, let's, let's hang out. Like he wasn't thinking he was going to join the band at the time. At least that's what I thought. Um, but I think he kind of had it in his head that he would all along anyway. And yeah. And then, so me and him decided one day, like, you know, like maybe a month into me living here that he's like, I'm going to play bass. Let's do it. And I'm like, okay. And he had another band that was kind of not really doing much at the time. So he's like, well, let's, let's do this. And that'll keep me preoccupied kind of thing. And then, and then, yeah. And then Channing, lives in Banff as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ryan Piontek, the guitar player. So this is funny. This is a sweet story. So he's touring with Cirque du Soleil, setting up stages and bleachers for Cirque du Soleil. So he's traveling all over the United States. He was, he was in oh, Texas. Wow. He was in Florida. He was all over the place. One of, my, one of our friends is an acrobat for that show. Oh, crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, he's down there doing that. And I call him up and I say, Hey, come to Banff. Let's start. Why don't you join all the time everywhere? And he said, no, there's no way I can do that. I'm, you know, doing Cirque du Soleil. I, and this is in December of last year. Yeah. Last year. And he says, there's no way I can do it. And I said, okay, that's all right. So we auditioned a few guitar players and I was just kind of like, no, this is not working. I want it to be somebody I know who's a good dude. So, <laughs> so we auditioned these guys and I'm just like, this is just terrible. I hate this. And Paul was trying to find us some people and I was like, no. And, uh, 
so July last year, I'm a, I'm a red seal carpenter. So I have, I have a job <laughs> still. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I have a job still and I'm working on this, um, one of our friends, uh, her back patio deck operation kind of thing going on. And I get this phone call from a Banff number and I'm like, hello. And he's like, Hey, what are you doing? And I'm like, uh, not much. Who's this? And he's like, it's Peeny. And that's his nickname for Ryan. We call him Peeny because his last name is Piontech. But anyway, he's like, it's Peeny. I'm like, oh, yeah. What's going on, buddy? He's like, I'm in Banff. I'm like, oh, yeah? What are you doing? Just visiting for a bit? He's like, no, I live here now. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I was just like, yes. So he moved here and didn't even tell me. <laughs> waited until he got here. Waited until he got here, and then he came over to my house that night, and he's like, yeah, I'm joining the band. I'm like, yes. The guy I wanted all along. <laughs> That's amazing. I saw that announcement on your band page. Oh, yeah. I was super stoked on that. I like I couldn't have been a happier person for, well, it was tough to get the smile off my face for a while. But yeah, he's here with his family now. And yeah, it's, it's, it's perfect right now. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. And uh, Ryan uh, does lead guitar and uh, you mentioned Channing. Uh, he's your new drummer, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's from, he's from Banff. Uh, he's lived here for, I don't know, 12 years, 13 years, something like that. Same with, same with Chris, um, bass player there. He's lived here for a long time. It's a beautiful area. Oh, it is. Yeah. I got a, I'm sitting in my living room right now and I can, I just look out my window and there's, this, it's called Cascade. It's a big mountain. Yeah, I know. it. <laughs> yeah. I'm just staring at it right now, actually. So yeah, it's, it, there's not a more beautiful place to live really. Yeah, I spent some time in Calgary and I went up to Bath. It's beautiful. Never skied up. I, I didn't have enough balls to do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, not me. Uh, so your influences. Uh, uh, I've seen in the press, uh, Alexis on Fire, Architect. Are, were they influences or is there something that isn't out there that you can talk about? Uh, well, when I was a kid, I used to listen to... I listen to all kinds of stuff and I still do. I mean, I got a little narrow minded in my teenage years and I only listened to like punk rock bands and skate punk bands. Cause that's what was cool. But when I was younger and, and now I, I listen to everything, like I'll listen to any style of music. It's all beneficial to me to listen to. Um, yeah. I think when I was a kid, I was, I really liked, um, I'm just trying to think of when I was young, young here. Um, you're not that old, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes I wake up and I feel that way. Um, uh, what do we got here? So my parents had a pretty wide variety. Like my mom listened to different stuff than my dad. So, you know, like my mom used to listen to Pet Shop Boys all the time. Oh, really? Yeah. And I like, I like that. It's really good. There's this introspective record that I really like. And the songs are like seven minutes long and it's just like... No, not radio hits and stuff, but like, you know, Pet Shop Boys, that's good stuff. I like their melodies and stuff like that. Um, I used to listen to Kim Mitchell when I was a kid. We had one record by them. Um, the Kinks. My dad had a, a live record of The Kinks we always used to listen to. Um, what else was there? There was like uh, Green Day. Big into Green Day when I was younger. Oh, I love Green Day. Grade six and seven and eight was Green Day and The Offspring and stuff like that. And then when I was in grade nine, I got into like No Effects and Lagwagon and Pennywise and Face to Face and Goldfinger. And that was kind of my teenage years. And now I'm uh, now I listen to all kinds of stuff like everything. Bring me the horizon. Like the other day, I was listening to Sarah McLaughlin. Like building a mystery. Well, she's good. Yeah, yeah. She's good. That song, Building a Mystery, is fire. <laughs> like, that is yeah. a good song. Lance Morissette, um, she's got that Jagged Little Pill record, Sweet. And then she's got uh, another song in the City of Angels soundtrack called um, Uninvited. I was listening to that the other day. And yeah, everything. 
what about the legacy bands? Like, uh, well, they've been called the legacy bands, and I would say they earned it, like Zeppelin, The Who, Cream. Um, okay, so I got a weird thing with that. Oh. <laughs> I, I like those bands, but because major radio has jammed them down my throat for my entire life, and like, oh, it just irks me. Like they've killed it for me, basically. Like, you know, like you, it's like you hear it too much, and then it just becomes nothing to you. You know what I mean? Like if you listen to a song too much, and then it doesn't hit you anymore. And I, I, I can understand that. And, I can understand that. And they just jam stuff down your throat, and it's no fault of the bands. It's like the people playing it, and it's like, how many times do I have to fucking hear Sweet Home Alabama? <laughs> like, or, you know, Zeppelin or whatever. And that's another thing, like, major radio, that's all they do is they just, they don't play anything new. Like, there's new heavy bands that they could be playing on the radio, and they yeah. just they just avoid it like the plague. It's like, oh, we don't want people listening to that. And, like, like I don't know who's writing the playlist for all these radio stations, but they need to go and we need to get someone younger in there who actually like, you know, knows new music and stuff because. Well, I've heard that before. And the college radio is actually pretty good uh, across Canada, but I have a, a little history fact for you that you'll find funny because you said that you know, radio play is overdone, especially with Zeppelin. Do you know that Robert Plant once paid, uh, I believe it was 10,000 pounds to a radio station in the UK to never play Stairway to Heaven again? <laughs> See, and he'll agree with me, and he knows. Yeah, he would. I, I thought of, I was like, I'm a history trivia freak yeah uh, yeah he actually paid a station to never play it again it must have been a station that picks up near where he's living oh yeah a guaranteed and like that's the thing and like we put out uh we don't put out partition which is another song off the long con and yeah we, i love that song we remixed the single for it you know the intro short you know because the intro on the album is actually longer and, you know, it wouldn't work for radio. So I got our producer to rehash an intro. So it flowed in better. It wasn't as long of an intro. You send it to the radio stations and they listen to it and they have their little meetings about it and then they don't play it. And it's like, okay. And I've, li- I've heard this from a bunch of different people, but they're like, why is that song not on the radio? Like, I don't get it. And I don't get it either. <laughs> it's like we're a Canadian band. I paid for this with my own money, you know, and it's like we do all this work and they say they all, you know, help out Canadian artists and this and that and the other thing. But when it comes right down to it, they just play Zeppelin again. And it's just like, okay, I know none of us have heard of Led Zeppelin, but could you not play it 27 times a day? Like, could you play something new and maybe let, a younger band or you know another band like take the place of that song i'm sure we've all heard it before and it's- actually I, yeah i've had that discussion with a couple of people that there should be more radio uh stations including cbc uh that focus on indie music in canada well and that's the thing if they focused on what they call indie music in canada it all of a sudden it doesn't become indie music anymore you know what i mean because mm-hmm. it's a it's a like they're not doing their job as far as I'm concerned in helping out Canadian musicians. Now, if you're not on a major label or whatever, then they don't play. You got to buy your, we were talking about it this morning. You know, you have to buy your, like, I don't want to have to buy my spot. You know what I mean? Like I shouldn't, well, we were talking about it and I guess some, some producer in the States, he does like big hit singles, but he just buys all the top spots on the radio station. So it's, it's a, it's a guaranteed lock that they're going to jam it down your throat. Right. Mm. And that's how And it's like, if the song just came up the way ours is, maybe it wouldn't even be there because maybe it's not that good. But the fact that they jam it down your throat, you know, (laughs) you after a while, you're like, Oh, that's pretty good. You know, (laughs) 
something that needs to be fixed. Well, it's, yeah, it's like all the all the radio stations are owned by like Rogers and Bell. So now it's like a corporate thing where they send their playlists down to the radio stations and the and the disc jockeys don't even have a say in what they play anymore. Whether they like it or not, it's getting played. <laughs> you know? So it's like these corporate overlords are just jamming music down your throat for whatever reason, whether they're paid to do that or not. I have no idea, but you know, it's kind of one of those things. I think there was a thing about this in the nineties, like Howard Stern was talking about it. You know, I play whatever I want and blah, blah, blah. And that's how he kind of got big Mm -hmm. because then you had all these record labels kind of just like buying their bands, radio spots, whether they were good or not. Well, I do agree with you that if you have a passion for indie, that's the format you should be playing on the thing uh, on your platform. I do agree with that. Uh, it's one of the reasons why, I, not one of the reasons why I started the Buzz Indie. Um, there's lots of reasons, but I won't go into it. But it's uh, one of the reasons I love doing the show is because I don't have somebody tell me what to play. Yeah. And, and, what, and what band to put on. You know, so yeah, uh, I I totally agree with you, huh? Yeah, totally agree. Like I could get a hold of, let's say, CJ in the, in Calgary, let's say, right? Yeah, I could talk to whoever, and they could be like, "Oh, I love this song," but the guy in the suit way up high in the tower doesn't want me to play it, so it's not getting played. And it's like, why is that guy deciding what's on the radio? Like, <laughs> like who is that guy for starters? And yeah. like, I have to go and you know, schmooze with all these people. It's like, it, I've heard the conversation too many times and I've heard the whole, oh, we're having a meeting about this song. And it's like, I don't know, I'm just a little frustrating, but whatever. Like, and like I said, like they don't want to play us on the radio. That's fine. We'll go in the back door. Like I got, I got my ways. So, you know, and then later mm-hmm. in life, if we, if for something happens and we become a big band, I'll be like Robert Plant, and I'll just tell them not to play it. Period. Don't ever play no, my. You might have to. <laughs> don't ever play Sorry. my song, or I'm gonna send somebody to your studio. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, I just thought it was funny because I also showed the attitude of Robert Plant. Cause he's pretty uh, salty sometimes. Right? Oh yeah, I'm pretty salty. Yeah, and I just thought, oh my god, is that ever funny? He <laughs> got tired of it too. But let's talk about your uh, the, the next track that we're going to hear next is Digital Man. Yeah. So tell me the story that you're trying to put out on that one. Well, that one's a that one's a mix of what we were just talking about. <laughs> oh really? And it was a bit. Oh my god! Mix of what we were just that's talking amazing. about, and then I got a I got a problem with with Wall Street. Um, <laughs> I don't I don't think a job is sitting on the internet and clicking a button. I don't think that's a job. And I don't think people should be able to just make money on stocks. Um, I think everything should be profit sharing every single company in the world. Like I don't like, because basically what you're doing is, is you're just, you're not giving your employees any incentive. You're just giving your money to anyway, me and this, (laughs) I had a, I had a big argument with, with a few people about this. Eventually I got through to them, but I think I don't like wall street and I don't think that you should be able to make money just doing nothing. Basically. I don't think that's a job. In, in my opinion, it's not a job. You're just, you're gambling. And, uh, yeah. And then the, you know, the whole suit and tie, like I'm a carpenter, so I work for my money really hard. And it really frustrates me when there's, there's people out there doing nothing basically, as far as I'm concerned, and they're making more money than I am not doing anything. And yeah, so that's, that's what this song's about. So you don't like suits? Uh, I should. Well, I want to stop myself and say it's, there's there's certain jobs where you'd wear a suit that are required, and then there's certain jobs that aren't, and that's what I'm kind of yeah. focused on. And the whole yeah. the whole digitization of music and Spotify and Apple Music and how they don't pay you anything, yet they use your music and they're using all these musicians and kind of all rolled into one. And I called it Digital Man. 
Well, it's a good message. So next up, we're going to hear Digital Man. I really like the sound, Aaron. It's uh, very happy but upbeat at the same time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, I, I, I like to bring an energy to the to the table. You know, whether whatever, like we were talking about earlier, with moods and stuff. Yeah. And you know, you gotta capture that energy in the song that you're trying to portray, right? So, I really like. Yeah, Digital Man's one of my favorite songs on that on that EP, actually. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Thank you. So we talked a bit about your untitled backstory chat. Um, I can't say the name. You know that because in the green room, I tried to pronounce it three (laughs) times. So let's talk about, you'd say the name. Uh, Unapologetically (laughs) correct. Yeah. So tell me about that. Uh, Well, now I got to kind of remember what I was even writing about when I wrote that song. Um, that one's a bit of a weird one for me. Um, in fact, I can't name it. And I wrote the lyrics when we were like literally the day before we went, I was recording vocals. I wrote those lyrics. Um, Mm -hmm. and I was kind of writing about a personal situation I was going through. Um, you know, I don't really want to get into that because, and for a few reasons. Um, That's okay. You don't have to. But, uh, you know, I'm trying to think, think of how to say this. Um, 
there's certain people that you can uh, have a relationship with and it's really one-sided and you know what the hell is that one thing you never have to say I'm sorry when you're like married and stuff like that is that is that a thing is there am I just making that up never have to say you're sorry when you're married you shouldn't have to say you're sorry or I don't know uh, anyway that's kind of where I, I was going know. with it I'll, I'll ask my husband <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I admit, uh, maybe I'll go with that and I'll never have to say sorry again <laughs> yeah okay I've never heard that but it could be uh it could be a thing yeah I don't know maybe I'm making that up I don't know uh it's all right though but yeah anyway it was about a relationship I was in and I really felt one-sided and I kind of felt alienated a bit and uh you know yeah it was about that I'm sure people will definitely relate to that because like everybody's had a, a shitty relationship oh, yeah. you know, especially with those kind of people uh so uh we're listening to uh the next track. <laughs> <Unapolog> <laughs> can you introduce it <laughs> Un unapologetically correct <laughs> all right here we go <laughs>
So that that was a great uh, a great explanation of the song. Um, I understand that you don't want to share. I don't expect you to share that to the public. Um, <laughs> yeah, I could have got yeah. it. I could have got into it, but you know what? That's just like Paul was telling me. Like, oh, you gotta like he wanted me to like send him explanations for every song, and I don't really do that. I like to leave it up to the listener to decide what it's about. Yeah. Because everybody's going to take something different from it. And I think it kind of takes away from the experience of, you know, because I, I know a lot of songs I listen to, I have no idea what they're about, but there's certain lines in it and it resonates different with me. And they that could be not even what they're talking about, right? So I don't know. I'm kind of at a love-hate with the with the explaining what my songs are about in a way. So. Well, there's two different approaches. Um, I, one, uh, I've seen artists that give a complete explanation. Uh, it works for them and their music. Um, others, uh, actually, more to the norm with yourself as they allow the listener to uh, develop their own reasons uh, why they're listening to it and how it uh, motivates them, uh, speaks to them. Yeah. I think this. I think this might be the last record where I do that. Because you broke up. <laughs> so sorry. No. no, that was a joke. I apologize. <laughs> it's all good. No, like I may the next record I put out. I think that I'm not going to. I'm not going to explain any of the songs after this one. Because <laughs> yeah, I, I've you know I experimented with it. But I don't. I think now I'm just going to leave it up to the listeners for the next batch because we uh, we have some good stuff coming down the pipe that we've been writing, and yeah, I'm going to leave it up to the listener that for the next record. I think. Well, good. I look. I look forward to hearing them. So, uh, are there any collaborations that you or the band have done that uh, are interesting that you'd like to talk about? Um, like in doing videos or. Arranging a tour. Um, yeah, well, like our, our producer, Anton, like that's our main collaborator. Um, like he's been awesome. And, and uh, the guy that uh, recorded the drums uh, for, for both of the records, uh, Stefan, and my brother. My brother actually was a big part of the long con. Like that, this record probably wouldn't have got done if it wasn't for him. Uh, what was your brother's role? Uh, well, he was kind of guiding me a little bit as far as like the writing process went. He was mm -hmm. like is an outside ear kind of like, hey, why don't you, I get what you're trying to do, but why don't you try this? Or why don't you slow that one down maybe, you know, or this or that. And then he was kind of a financier in a way where he was like, I was like, I don't have the money to record this. And he's like, I'll put up the money to record it. Just do it. And I was like, okay, sweet. Cause he's always been a fan of my music and one of my biggest supporters. And he was on the first tour with the band and stuff. And now he's still back in Ontario, but he's still considered to be as he's in the band because, you know, like I said, he wouldn't, the record wouldn't have got done if it wasn't for him. Um, That's awesome. And yeah. And so it was sweet that me and him actually like, you know, as brothers did this together because, you know, it, it, it was a long time coming. Like we'd always talked about it, but we never really did it. So that was a sweet, that was a good thing. I wanted to do that and I'm glad we did it. Um, and then, yeah, Anton and Stefan, they've been, you know, they've helped me the entire time and guided me. And then, you know, my best friend, Nate Weedman has been a part of the process my other best friend, Jim Blakely, has been a big part of the process. Um, and now I have, you know, the guys in the band now are part of the process. It's just, you know, there's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been a collaborative effort the whole time, really. And without the support from those guys, this would not be happening, right? So that's, as a songwriter and... And as we're going forward, like I, I never forget things like that. Oh, wow. That's amazing that you have such a close group around you. Yeah. It's absolutely magical. 
Absolutely magical. I love hearing stories like that. Well, it, like in a lot of like my parents used to say, oh, well, you never hang out with your friends from high school because they didn't. Right. They had a family. They grew up and they grew apart from their friends in high school. But I still hang out with guys that I went to kindergarten with. <laughs> Like Landon Chatterton, yeah. like one of my oldest friends, I, I, he, I've known him since I was in kindergarten and we still talk today. So like, and I have a, a big, lucky enough to have a big group of friends that, and from all walks of life and, you know, they're, all those people are important to me and will continue to be. That's amazing. Yeah. So we're going to talk about Wake. That's the next uh, story. Yeah. Um, I added it to my Spotify playlist today. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I like it. It has a bit of an anthem feeling to it. Am I right about that? Or Yeah, yeah. You could be right about that for sure. Yeah, that was, uh, that was outside of the box um, uh, as far as the genre went because it's kind of like a country song in a way. Yeah, and I designed it that way because I like that kind of style of, like I like, I don't like new country, but I like an elements of new country, right? Or country music. Period. I think they're important, and I wanted to write something a bit different, and this worked out perfectly, as far as that was concerned, and like that, like a lot of people say that that's their favorite song on the record. Actually. Yeah, everybody's got a different song, but yeah. but that one that one for sure and with me too, it's a different one and and I really like it. Well, it definitely has a country feel, but I still hear that influence. Like it's still very unique. Yeah, and that's yeah. that was a kind of a cool thing when we were recording. We're like, "Well, we could do this and it still sounds like the same band." Yeah, it, doesn't, it did. doesn't sound like a different band and like all the songs on that record most of them have a different feel from one another. So yeah. and that's important to me. Like I was saying before about when you're writing a mood and stuff, like, you know, change it up, you know? So it doesn't sound yeah. like the same song, the whole record, like ACDC does, you know? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I love ACDC. Uh, don't get me wrong. <laughs> you put on Thunderstruck and it's go time. Like I, <laughs> I'm right into that. <laughs> Uh, ACDC, I know they're one of my uh, they're one of my bands I listen to quite often. Oh yeah, Razor's Edge. Yeah. Me and Razor's Edge have a have a tight tight friendship. I yeah. love that record, but yeah, I actually have a picture of my cat on Facebook. Uh, I turned on ACDC one time, right? <laughs> it was the first time I did it, and um, her name's Riri, and her ears go completely back. Yeah. <laughs> Like she's in the wind. It was so funny. And every time I put on that band, like she gets like memorized, like, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I find it funny. Uh, so we're going to listen to Wake next. Yeah. 
Well, Aaron, I really love the sound. I love that you, it's not a crossover sound, but I love the the uh, country influence and uh, uh, keeping with the uh, band sound. You definitely did a good one there. It's a great song. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. So we already talked about what's uh, happening this year and you're hoping to gig. Um, is there anything that you would like to highlight for uh, listeners out there uh, to follow you perhaps? Like uh, where are you most active on social media? Oh, well, I'm not a big social media guy. Um, Chris, Chris Cushman, the bass player is more, more apt to that, but um uh, he's on the Facebook there, facebook.com slash all the time everywhere and Instagram.com slash all the time everywhere. Um, our website, which you can basically go anywhere from is, uh, a T T E band.com. And you can go on there and you can order merch and you can watch our latest music videos and, um, then we have, a, also have a online merch store uh out of holland and it's uh if you go to epicmerch.com and then search all the time everywhere you can order merchandise from them and uh they got all kinds of stuff up there hats shirts hoodies pretty much you can buy you can buy like a onesie for your toddler on there uh an at onesie for the toddler yeah, you can buy what like they they have these little little onesies up there with an all the time everywhere logo on it. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna for, check it out. I'm, waiting, I'm gonna check it out. I'm waiting for somebody with a baby to buy one and send me a picture. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. You got to start them early, huh? Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, well, um, definitely, I believe uh, for what you said, I'm gonna the website's the best place to follow you guys because everything is central there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Wow. Well, I really enjoyed our chat today, Aaron. You were a guest to interview. Thank you for coming on. <laughs> Thanks, Jay. Great. Thanks for having yeah. me. Yeah, thank you. So listeners out there, make sure that you follow all the time everywhere. Um, on And the best place to follow them, as Aaron said, is from their website. And Aaron, can you say it again? Uh, it's uh, attebandcom all right. Thank you. Thanks so much, Shay. Well, thank you all for tuning in to the Buzzer Podcast Network. Season two begins soon. The Buzzer Podcast will wind down season one of both programs. The top episodes of season one will start airing September the 6th. These are the season one shows with leading fan engagement subscribes, and download count. The gratitude I have for the remarkable artists who share their music on the Buzzer Network is over the moon. To our loyal listeners, thank you for tuning in and being a powerful part of our achievement. Because of you, the Buzzer Podcast is top 10% of the most popular shows out of over 2.6 million podcasts ranked by Listen Score. You can tune in to the podcast on 168 platforms and broadcast in over 21 countries. Follow us on Instagram at The Buzzroll Media and on Twitter at The Buzzer Indie. Subscribe fees at TheBuzzerPod.com. Without you, none of what we do is possible. Listen in and remember, without music, our canvas is blank. On-air indie, from iPad to yours, over the airways. Until next time, cheers, y'all.